It's good to have Brother Ken Akers with us today. Ken is the um, director of the Masters Men. It's now part of the National Association, or the uh, Home Missions now. And so he travels about. He was speaking at uh, Harmony Church this weekend. And I found out a little bird told me he wasn't scheduled. And so we called him and he said, yeah, I'll be there. So, um, and then Jill was excited. And I said, man, you've never been that excited about him being there. And she goes, well, his wife's coming this time. Uh, she goes, it's no big deal with Ken. He's here all the time. But uh, we're glad to have him. Brother Ken, you come and share the word with us. Okay, now the truth comes out, doesn't it? But to be real honest, I knew it all along. So uh, it is good to be with you. Uh, Brother Mike mentioned I get to travel all over the country, really, and uh, do different things. But, you know, there's, there's something special about being in Farmersville. I've been here several times, and some of you probably said, oh, no, he's back. Uh, but it, it is good to, to be here. Uh, one of those places where you can feel at home. You know, you go some places and you feel like a stranger. Uh, even though it's Free Will Baptist Church and people, you know, they, they, they love you because God tells them they have to and all this stuff like that. But uh, it's good to, to be with you and, and to be here. And I appreciate the invitation. Uh, I feel like sometimes you're strong-armed into it, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I do appreciate. We do love Jill and and the, the, her family. And uh, I tell you what, I enjoy coming here uh, to hear Kevin teach. I, I tell you, another thing I get to do is I get to go to a lot of Sunday school classes, and those that I can stay awake in, uh, you know. But Kevin, Kevin is as prepared and probably more prepared than any Sunday school teacher I've ever been to. He does a great job. And uh, you can pay me later for that. So. <laughs> but I, I do appreciate the chance to come and be with you. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we want to look in the book of Habakkuk. Uh, that's on page 1347 uh, in mine. Uh, and he's got these things. This is going to be very distracting to me. I'm, I'm just telling you right now. These, these things flashing around here like that. Uh, but uh, Habakkuk, we don't know a whole lot about Habakkuk. Um, he is, uh, the book is referred to as uh, a minor prophet. But as you read it, it's only three chapters. You would not call him only a minor prophet, but a major whiner. I mean, he, he the whole thing just about is, is him whining about something or another. And I looked here, and his, his name, uh, they had a couple of different meanings you know back back in those days they they gave children a name that and one of them was the embracer but the other was a wrestler now if you're from Kentucky like I am he's a wrestler not a not a wrestler or, you know whatever he he was the the John Cena of that day I guess is what what he was or from your older folks he's the Rick Flair or, or whoever whatever like that but looking at it what we uh, see is that he's questioning God and I draw down a few things. April 19th, 1995, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, a bombing occurred at a federal building there. And part of that building was a daycare. There were 168 people killed, and many of those children. If you've ever been to Oklahoma City and you've been there, they have a monument on the site, and they have chairs uh, I don't know if they're plexiglass or I don't know exactly what they're made of. 
But there's a lot of little chairs there for children that were killed in that bombing. A date which everyone here just about would be familiar with, Tuesday, September 11, 2001. Four, four airplanes are hijacked. Two of them are flown into the Twin Towers in, in New York. One of them is flown into the Pentagon. Another is headed toward the White House, but again, if you're familiar with the story, uh, the uh, passengers overtake breakthrough and it crashes in a uh, field in Pennsylvania. Sandra and I have had opportunity to be there and, and see the memorial uh, of what's happened. Over 3,000 people died in that one day uh, through that event. More recently, on Monday, April 15, 2013, two bombs were uh, stuck near the finish line of the Boston Marathon. Three people were killed, including an eight-year-old boy. Hospitals reported 144 people were treated, at least 17 critical, 25 serious, at least eight were children, and at least 10 had limbs amputated because of it. Personally, January of 2010, an earthquake of 7.2, I think it was, hit the island of Haiti, uh, targeted or was the main point of it was just around the, the nation's capital of, of Port-au-Prince. Uh, I've been going to Haiti since 1999 working with a, a mission down there. And that one day, and the few days following that, over 300,000 people died as a result of that one earthquake. And as the, we see all these happening, within the last 12 months, I have, uh, part of my job is, is to do disaster response. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, I was in... Uh, Missouri, helping clean up after the flooding there. Last fall, I was in South Carolina for a couple of weeks helping clean up after flooding there. Twice this past year, I was in uh, Kentucky helping clean up after flooding there. We have tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. And these things happen, and we wonder why. Why would God let these things happen? And... Uh, Kevin mentioned this morning during Sunday school class they were talking and not getting political but talking about uh, Marco Rubio that they were questioning what kind of religion he has that that would allow so much suffering and in the gist of it you know uh, what's going on like that and his religion was Christianity and we question now you know Generally, I'm not this negative of a person. I mean, this you don't go in and just put everybody in the dumper right to start with. But that's what Habakkuk is, is looking at here as we start looking at this, uh, talking about Habakkuk. And in chapter 1, verse 2, as we uh, begin reading and, and looking at uh, exactly what uh, Habakkuk is talking about in verses 1 through 4 he's, he's asking God why are you allowing bad things to go on verse 2 he says O Lord how long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear 
even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. He's saying, why do bad things happen, and, and you're doing nothing about it? Verse 4, Therefore the law is slack, and judgment doth never go forth, for the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. He's saying, all these bad things are happening, and you're doing absolutely nothing about it. What's the deal? Now, how many of us have questioned God? I, you know, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you, I have. Things have happened in my life, and I've said, God, where were you? Why would you let something like this happen? Why would you allow all this to go on? Why? And the question that has been asked for ages and ages is, why do good things, or why do bad things happen to good people? And if anybody has the answer afterwards, you talk to me about it, but I don't think we have the answer. Why do bad things happen to good people? And we read through the Bible, and there's a lot of the great people of the Bible had to suffer things. And we don't, we don't have that understanding. And have you ever heard somebody say, or maybe you've said, when I get to heaven, the first question I'm going to ask God is, well, I'll be honest with you, those are not going to be important. I just don't think we're going to get up there and have a big list of things that we're going to ask God. You know, why did you let this happen? Or why did, it's not going to be important. It's going to be something that, that we're going to get out of our mind. But as Habakkuk is, is talking to God in prayer or mind or whatever the situation is, God answers him in verse 5. He says, Behold ye among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously. Well, I will work a work in your days which ye will not believe, though it be told you. In the ESV, it says you will wonder and be astounded. Now, when you look at that, just at that, you can think, God's going to do something great. He is going to, I just can't wait for all these good things to happen. And then when I first read that, that's kind of what I was thinking about. But if you really look at it, he's saying it's going to be bad. Bad things are getting ready to happen. Because if you read on there in the next several verses, he tells you that he's going to allow the Chaldeans to take over. And let's see what he says about them. Verse 6, For lo, I will raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. These are, these are not good people. These are, these are the bad people that God is going to allow to come in for a purpose. And Habakkuk is saying, why in, would you ever allow something like this to happen? What, what's the purpose? What is the reason for it? How can you justify things like this happen? And he goes on in verses 12 through 17, the rest of the chapter thou there, and just still complaining. 
I don't understand why, God, you're letting all these things happen. But in, in uh, chapter 2, we, we start to get a little bit more. And he's starting to get a little bit more. You know, there has to be a reason. There has to be a, a purpose for him and for us. And I think part of that is that we can understand that he was a man. He was human. He was just, you know, one of us. But God used him and God spoke to him. And if, if people like this, those great prophets that God used so much and, and, and spoke to personally, if they had questions, we have questions. And we wonder. And in chapter 2, we start reading here some of the things he's saying. He's saying in, in verse 1, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I will answer when I am reproved. He's saying, I'm going to wait. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to watch. I'm going to listen. I am going to uh, wait on God. You know, that is a hard thing to do sometimes. But aren't you glad that God's timing is not our timing? How many times have we prayed for something and then when it didn't happen, we just give up? I think we pray not expecting anything to happen. Now, you might say, well, I always... But do, do we? Do we really do that? We do, do we have a prayer and then when it doesn't happen immediately or within our time frame, we think... Knew it wasn't going to happen anyway. That's like coming to church. And I've told this many times. There are certain places I go and I expect things to happen. When I go to youth camp, I expect God to be there and to do things. Uh, this past June was 36 years I've been doing youth camp. When I go to youth camp, I expect God to be there and, and the, when the you know, service ends, to, to see things happen. And, and it, it, it always does. Maybe not always the way I want it, but it, something always happens. And I go and I expect that. When I go to Haiti, I expect great things to happen. We go uh, usually in the fall, uh, August, September. And, and when we go during that time of the year, I go a couple of times a year. My wife, Sandra, went with me for the very first time. I started going back in 1999, and it's been, I've been there about 30 times or so. She went for the first time, and I think she got the bug. She, she met people and, and was loved on enough. But um, we go in, in September, and we do uh, a camp, or, or we started out calling it VBS, but it's it, you know, a, a camp. We go and we expect great things to happen. This year, we averaged right at 700 a day in our classes. Uh, from little snotty-nosed babies up to snotty-nosed old men and women. I mean, you know, we've got, we've got a variety uh, in there. First year we did it, uh, about 12, 15 years ago, something like that. First year we did it, we didn't have it for the adults. Boy, they got mad. They said, we want that too. So, so we've added that, and we'll have 100 
to 150 in our adult class every day. Uh, and, and we go expecting things like that. Now, don't show me your hands. But how many of you got up this morning and thought, man, I can't get, wait to get to church and see what God is going to do. I know God is going to do something great that, you know, the altar is going to be full, that something's going to happen today, and I can't wait to get there and see what happens. Or how many got up and came to church this morning going, let's go. We do that. I got to go to church. Not, I get to go to church. I got to go to church. You know, it's expected. I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to be in church on Sunday morning. That's just the way it is. I know ain't nothing going to happen, but I'm going to be there. They'll see me. But Habakkuk says, let's watch and wait. Verse 2, chapter 2 says, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. God said, wait on my time. Because I'm going to take care of you. In, in Sunday school class this morning, you know, some of the promises... I am with you always. God says, I, 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 I'm there. I'm with you. You don't have to worry. You know, he says, I'm in control. Just wait on me. Be faithful. Stay committed. Do what you're supposed to do. Be ready. You know, the scripture uh, somebody brought it up this morning. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. It's going to be in their mind. Let me tell you. It's there. But that free will part that we know so well and are so uh, proud, pride's a pretty ugly thing sometimes, isn't it? How many people have missed blessings because of pride? I know I need to go to the altar, but what will people think about me? You know, if I go to the altar, I'm a preacher. If I go to the altar, what, what are the people going to they're gonna think? I, surely they think I've done something. <laughs> we miss out on a lot of blessings because we're too proud. It, it just thrills my soul to see grown men and women go to the altar that they... Don't worry about what somebody else thinks. Now, it's it's one of the things where, of course, we just came through Christmas and and people spend money they don't have to buy things they don't need to impress people they don't like. <laughs> and and we, we do. We, we worry about what somebody else thinks. And we all do to a certain point. I, but we need to wait on God. Be patient and know that God loves us so much. He's not going to let anything happen to us. We've got two sons and, and four grandchildren. And those four grandchildren, they're just perfect. I mean, you know. And I think Nana may have some pictures. I don't know. You know one or two. 
there's nothing we wouldn't do for those kids. Now, the boys, maybe not, but the grandkids, we're going to take care of them. We're going to do anything for them we can. We love them that much. And we love them as much as we can as grandparents, as much as we can as, as earthly human beings. And if we love them that much, so how much more does God love us? And we don't want anything to happen to our children and our grandchildren. We want to take care of them and protect them. And if we love them that much, how much more does God that loved us so much that he sent his only son to die on a cross for us, how much more does he love us? And he's going to take care of us. We just got to wait. Why do bad things happen to good people? Then we read on in this chapter, verse 6 to 20, ending it up, and he says that, I'm going to take care of those Chaldeans. You don't worry about them. You don't have to worry about it. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. In Eastern Tuck, we say they're going to get a whooping because God's in control, and God's going to take care of them. Then we get down into chapter 3. And as he's looking at it, he's talking about to, to God. And, and even though he's, he's whining, complaining, and as we do, you know, he still knows that God's in control. He still knows how great God is. And, and he talked about that in verses 1 through 16. He acknowledges how great God is. And though even though all these bad things happen and he, God is saying, you know, you're, you're, it's just going to blow you away what I'm going to let these bad people do. But you've got to wait. Because in the end, I've read the book. And in the end, we win. There's a lot of things happening along the way. But in the end, we win. And he says, even if nothing else goes right, God is still in control and to be praised. The last three verses of the, of the book. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. He's saying, we got nothing to eat. We, the, you know, one thing I always, my wife talked about this morning, kind of, Jumping off track here, which I tend to do sometimes. As we're driving from Fresno to Farmersville, there is nothing says good morning like fresh manure. <laughs> I don't care how tight them windows are rolled up, you drive down Highway 99, you're going to get it. But I see all these, these, these farms and these fields with their grapevines and with their orange trees. And we saw apricots and walnuts and, and things that I had no idea what they were, but they're all growing there. And here Habakkuk says, even if none of those things produce another bit of fruit. And we passed this one, and I'm sure you know where it is because you smell it long forget there all these cattle over on the right side of the road coming down I guess that's where they hold them till they kill them or whatever anyway he says even if those pens are empty God is still in control verse 18 says yet I will rejoice in the Lord I will joy in the God of my salvation he says I, you know if I don't have another thing to eat if nothing else goes good in my life, God still loves me and he gave me salvation. 
Because everything we face in this life is temporal. It's just for a short time. It doesn't matter how long you have to endure it. And we, we endure things. We have trials and, and such that come up. Verse 19, The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hind's feet, and he will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer of the stringed instruments. He's saying, in the end, God's going to put me up here. I may be down here right now because of circumstances in my life. And you may have circumstances during your life. Loss of a job. Loss of friends or death or sickness but through all these things God is still in control I probably shared some of this with you at a time before 2008 was an exciting year in my life in uh, March of 2008 I led a group to uh, Russia we went over there to work on the Baptist youth camp in in Krasnodar uh, or excuse me in Tikarest and so we fly from the U.S. to Moscow, have a layover there. Then we fly another plane on uh, Aeroflot, which is the Russian airline, which if you fly on it, don't look at the tires on the plane because they have these big holes in them. You can see. But anyway, we fly from R Moscow to Krasnodar. Then we take a car from Krasnodar to Tikarest, and we're there working and those names don't mean anything to you, but I'm just impressed that a hillbilly can say those things. <laughs> so anyway, so we're, we go, and in Russia, they keep up with you where you're at. So we drive back from Tikrest to Krasnodar, and we register like we think we're supposed to, and we come back, and we're spending a week at the camp, and we're working, and we're doing different things. On Friday evening, after we've been there all week, this car pulls up, and these three very well-dressed young people, uh, young adults get out, and they're with Russian immigration, and they ask for our passports, and they tell us we're not registered, and we said, well, of course we are. We went back, and they said, well, no, you've got to register here. So they changed the rules. Long story short, they, they find us. Uh, they needed some extra money, I guess, for Bork or something, so they find us. We have to go, and they, but they took my passport, and they kept it. Now, if you've ever traveled out of the U.S., number one thing you don't want to do is give up your passport. But when somebody from Russian immigration says, give me your passport, you give it to them. <laughs> so this is Friday night. We had to go to a courthouse or some kind of a thing on Saturday and, and pay the fines and fill out. They gave us a dirty letter that we had to show when we left the country and when we showed it to people in immigration, they gave us a dirty look. But they give us their passport back and we leave. Well, in October of that same year, 2008, a series of hurricanes had crossed over Cuba through the Caribbean. And myself and four other guys were going in. Between the, the uh, uh, five of us, we had somewhere around $50,000 U.S. to take to Cuba to give to our Cuban pastors to help rebuild because many of our churches and different things had been destroyed. So we're trying to get in pretty quick. To go to Cuba then, I think it's changed some now, you had to apply for a religious visa and do all this stuff, and it took weeks and months to, to do. And we were trying to get in quicker so we could help. So we flew from uh, the U.S., and we met up in Cancun, Mexico. Now, that's not, you know, I was in the airport. That's my first experience with fish tacos. Uh, so anyway, you know, we so we go we go to to uh, Cancun, Mexico. Then we get a flight out of Mexico into Havana. 
on a tourist visa because we couldn't do it through the U.S. So we get to the Havana airport uh, about 11 o'clock on Wednesday night. We get together, we start to leave, and somebody comes up and says, where's your passport? Well, it's right here. They took it. The other guys I'd been with had been to, I'd never been to Cuba. They'd all been there before, always on religious visas. They took us into a little room and they said, what church are you going to go to? We said, well, we're just tourists. We're just here visiting some friends, which was true. God forgive us. So anyway, so they kept saying, make a long story shorter, I never got to go in and leave the secure area of the Havana airport. So my experience in Cuba was staying all night in the airport terminal. The same plane I had flown from Mexico to Havana on at 11, got in at 11 o'clock on Wednesday night, Thursday morning at 7 o'clock, I was back on that same plane going back to Mexico. And I thought, Lord, what's going on? Here it is, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing your will. I'm trying to help people out. I go to Russia and these people harass me and take my passport. Then I go to Cuba and the same thing. Now, for those that are my age and older, you remember back when we were younger, the two countries, the two people that we had to watch out for was the Russians and the Cubans. And in the same year, they're harassing me at 50 years old or whatever I was. You know, something's wrong with this picture. But God had a plan. I, I don't know what it is. And again, when I get to heaven... I'm not going to ask him, why didn't you let me get into Cuba? It's <laughs> not going to be important. Because God's doing work there, and, and evidently it wasn't for me to do. And Jill knows about our youngest grandson. He's the third oldest. Uh, McGuire. McGuire, he's special. Uh, he, he's that, that kid is, is something else. But when he was born, he is he had a few physical things, nothing nothing major. Uh, he's he's a rambunctious four year almost four year old little boy that and he loves his pop and nana, so that's all that's important. But he was born with with hearing issues. He had uh, no ear canals on both ears, and the the inner bones. If my understanding is, you have three bones in there, and they're fused together, so they don't rattle around, and he doesn't hear. So he has to to wear a, a hearing aid uh, on a headband type thing, at, at least at this point. But <clears throat> this this bothered my son and daughter-in-law. They'd had two healthy children that that were good, and McGuire was you know they have to take him for for uh, different tests and different things and, and it was a whole lot more and the, I guess they caught themselves complaining because they had a child that had issues now like I said he'll be four uh, the second of March and we have a granddaughter that'll be 11 in June and she was hearing her mom and dad complaining and she asked him one time, why did God make a mistake? When he made McGuire, why did, why did God make a mistake? Well, I'm a son of daughter-in-law. 
under conviction because they got a great little young man there. But they were complaining because he wasn't perfect. He wasn't what they wanted or the way they expected it to be. God is so good to us. And we whine and complain. But here's what happens. We want God to answer to us. Rather than us answering to God. Have you ever noticed how people want to make Jesus like them? WWJD, what would Jesus... Not WWKD, like Kevin, but... What would, what would Jesus do? And when that was the big hit, people would say, Oh, I'm sure he would do this. I'm sure he would do that. Does Scripture back it up? Let me tell you, folks, God's in control. I don't, I don't have to worry about anything. My wife will tell you, and anybody that knows me, I'm, I'm not a worrier. I'm so not a worrier to the point my wife worries about me not worrying. <laughs> I just figure, you know, what's going to happen is going to happen. I've got to do my best. I've got to do what I can. I, I, I think I need to do what I think is right to the best of my ability. But then I leave the rest of it up to God. Because I trust Him. Because his word is full of promises that says he loves me and he'll do anything for me and he wants the very best for me. Just like if you have children or you have grandchildren and you may have great-grandchildren and I'm not in any hurry for that, but God loves us. And I already mentioned it. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. God loved every one of us while we were unlovable. And while yet we were sinners, Christ died for us. I, that's, that's the biggest mystery to me that I don't understand. It's not why do bad things happen to good people. Why would a perfect God love me so much that he came and suffered and died on a cross for me? I, that I don't get. If it had been me, well, I just wiped it out and started all over again. Because he could. He did it before. You may be going through some bad times. Maybe sickness or financial or marital or children. I don't, I don't have the answer for you other than say God loves you. If we remain faithful and we trust him, in the end we win. And that doesn't mean in this life. You know, how many people, me being one of them, last week thought, Lord, if you just give me that $1.5 billion, I'll take care of some people. <laughs> you can trust me. I said a long time ago, I'm never going to, win the lottery because one I don't buy lottery tickets uh, I don't even register for publisher clearinghouse anymore you know I, I just I, I, I am confident I'm never going to be rich because I don't know that God can trust me with it and I don't want anything 
that God can't trust me with. But God gives me enough. God has blessed me far beyond what I can ever imagine. Growing up, you know, poor and what God's let me do. Things he's let me see and the blessings he's given me. If God doesn't give me another thing, if I lose everything today, it's been enough. If I die tonight, it's been enough. Because God's in control, and I can trust him. And if you're going through a time right now that you just don't understand where God's coming from, what God's doing, trust God. Because he does know. I can see about this far, but he can see forever. He knows it's going to happen before it happens, and he's going to take care of us. I'll end with this. I heard about a preacher one time that was walking through an alley at night, at night, and a guy comes up and pulls a gun and says, Give me all your money or I'm going to kill you. He said, You're threatening me with heaven? <laughs> you know, what have we to fear when God is on our side and we're on his? Well, this morning, if, if there's an issue, let me say first, if, if you're here this morning and, and you're not a Christian, You've never been saved. You've never been converted. You've never accepted Christ as a Savior. Whatever terminology you want to use, there's not a better day than today. I hope you came this morning ex expecting something great to happen. And just a minute, we're going to pray, and I, I, I'm going to ask you to pray that God will do something great. But if you're here this morning and, and you're a Christian, but you've been questioning God. You know, it, it happens. But remember, God loves you. And God wants the best for you. And if you have a need and you want to come forward and pray this morning, that'd be great. I'm, I'm sure there'll be somebody to come and pray with you. But if you want to stay where you're at and, and pray, but be honest with God. Because not only does God know everything, He knows your heart and He knows your thoughts. And words don't mean anything if, if it's not backed up by what's in your heart. Let's pray.